welcome everybody to a new episode of Las Platicas. Las Platicas numero 9. How are you guys doing? Very good. Very tired, but I'm okay. <laughs> we, we, we have Jen back in the studio. Yes. And yes. also we I'm have... Back. A, yeah, <laughs> missed you, dude, totally. We have a surprise again. We have an in-studio guest. Yes, we Who do. is it, Kristen? Well, today we have with us Latinx creator Eric Pepper Rivera. His friends call him Pepper, so we're just going to jump right in and go with that. We're, <laughs> we're, we're fast friends around here at Comadres y Comics. Yeah, yeah. That's right. um, Well, this is Kristen, and I actually first met Pepper at a Comic-Con in Long Beach. I don't remember if it was Expo or a Long Beach Comic-Con, but he came to one of the um, panels that I was moderating, and he came up and he started talking to me about his book, The Hat Boys, and it just sounded so freaking amazing, and... The passion that he had for this project as he was explaining it to me just totally hooked me right from the beginning. So, and I remember telling you guys, oh my gosh, this guy came to me and we should have him on the show. Mm. And then I forgot all about it. (laughs) (laughs) But Pepper is a Los Angeles local who is native to Watts, the neighborhood where the Hat Boys is set. And it's motivated by the social injustices of um, a lot of stuff that goes on in the world of people of color and marginalized communities. Pepper was inspired to use Watts and his experiences growing up in the neighborhood to show how environment can greatly inform life's choices and decisions. Pepper's not only a graphic novelist, but also a composer, electric guitarist, and a zinester, which I really found really super cool, and I'm really excited to kind of learn about those as well. Um, but he writes zines that celebrate South Central Los Angeles' culture and people. So we're super excited and honored to be able to have Pepper in studio with us today and can't wait to hear all about his journey into comics and any upcoming projects. So welcome, Pepper, to Comazi Comics Las Platicas. Thank you. That was a great intro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. As an in-studio guest, you actually get to experience something that um, those call-in guests that we have don't generally get to experience, <laughs> and that is La Hora de la Cervecita. Right. So we are today going to be trying out a yummy-looking beer that is from the brewery. It is, uh, the brewery is the B-R-U-E-R-Y brewery, um, that is located in Orange County, California, and it's, it specializes in experimental and barrel aged ales. Uh, the brewery was founded in 2008 by Patrick Rue, and it produces over 50 different beers annually. 15 seeing national distribution throughout 24 state networks of distributors. So this beer, oh my gosh, it literally, as you're pouring it, looks like used mortar oil, Sarah. <laughs> I was going to say, it literally looks like, like, you know the nitro cold brew? Oh, yes, it does. That's what it looks like. So, but mortar oil is more uh, evocative of an image, I think. Yeah. So this... Uh, beer that we're drinking today is called Bakery. It's a bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout with coconut and natural vanilla flavor added. It's individually sold in a new packaging format, which is 16-ounce cans. Imperial stouts seamlessly play well with many other adjuncts by taking the idea of combining delicious ingredients to create a sweet and tasty treat. And from that idea, Bakery, the name of this beer, was born. 
It's a, a blended pastry stout. I don't know what that means, but I'm like imagining them <laughs> crushing cupcakes and like putting it into the beer. <laughs> so a blended pastry stout, super dark with a residual sweetness and a 13.0 freaking percent ABV. That's right. Yeah. So smooth and sweet with light notes of coconut and vanilla all mixed throughout. My mouth is actually kind of watering. Mm-hmm. So it says the flavors of toasty coconut, notes of dark chocolate and vanilla meld so well into this beer that it has so much written has so much richness but without being overwhelming and overpowering. So, this is a macaroon inspired beer and it is perfect to um launch their bakery series of beers. So, yes. This is going to be interesting, I think. It's a it's a <laughs> co- yeah. Coconut uh coconut macaroon, macaroon beer <laughs> from the bakery series. So you guys go ahead. I want to look to see what you guys Well, <laughs> it smells great. It smells really good. It smells good. It's delicious. It right. smells really good. Are you a a dark beer drinker at all? Pepper? You know, uh I'm not a dark beer drinker or a coconut lover. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I love it. Do you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, bottoms up. <laughs> so, full disclosure, I had a cup of coffee uh, right before, so I feel like that's going to, like, really mess with my palate, but... I don't think it is. No? I don't think it is. No. It tastes like coconut juice. Like... Oh, wow. coconut. Yeah. I am also not a fan of coconut... Okay, I love coconut. Almond Joy is actually one of my favorite candy bars, but coconut-flavored... Things sometimes are just, I feel like I'm just drinking suntan oil. So, but this does not like that at all. I'm, I do taste dark chocolate. I do taste the vanilla. It's actually, and I'm not a stout lover or a porter lover, but this is actually really good. Yeah. I like the vanilla. Yeah. I've never had very strong feelings about coconut. I am not actually fond of coconut water. Mm. I don't no, like no. coconut, coconut water. Coconut water tastes yeah. like dirty dishwater to I know. me. Yeah. But um um but uh Samoas are my favorite Girl Scout cookies. Oh yeah. Uh, and there's this like uh there's this Mexican and Guatemalan candy that is just shaved coconut that's been caramelized oh, and like yeah, baked. I love that they have that in Mexico too. Yeah, there's and they, Mexico and Guatemala. They they when they sell it there's like a white like the Mexican flag it, ha- it has the green the oh, white yeah, yeah, and the yeah. red. Oh, I've seen that. Our mother is just like they're like, like orange. They're, orange? They're, they're orange. Oh, I've seen like, that because they've been put in a like in. It's not right. Like no, toasted we would call kind it, of? Yeah, kind of toasted in uh, an oven. Not an oven, but like, you know, like those pizza, like the pizza ovens, how they look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's how kind of like the ovens in Guatemala are. Okay, like, uh, like a stone oven. Like a, a stone st- oven. Stone yeah. Fire or a clay, oven. Or a stone. fire pit yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. That's usually where they, yeah. Clay fire pit. Uh, <laughs> clay fire pit. Like that's, that's the name of my next band. <laughs> <laughs> clay fire pit. <laughs> but, um, 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 uh, and this kind of reminds me of that because that's more like, just like sweet coconut, yeah. Like, that's been like to, so it's very nutty, uh, and it's it really is good. nutty. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, I really like this. I can definitely taste the dark chocolate, but mm-hmm. I don't yeah. really taste coconut because I don't really have like what is coconut. I might not <laughs> even be able to like really taste it, which is why I don't have strong feelings for it. I do feel there's some hint of vanilla for sure. Yeah, and it's yeah, tastes so buttery and nutty. Yeah, you know, it's like. I think um, the, com- the combined flavors of all of them kind of make it uh, really, really good. Because I can't stand coconut, really. But the fact <laughs> that there's all these other things going on, too, it really mm. kind of eases. The, oh, good. Yeah, I'm so I'm glad. Into- I should have asked. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I actually picked this one up 
because I thought since, you know, you're not really a, a beer drinker of the darks, yeah. I thought maybe this could be a soft welcoming. No, it's good. You know what it I really, really like? Good. I like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, like, fruity beers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like, lagers that have kind of a limey, like, okay. flavor. Oh, yeah, yeah. And things like that, mm-hmm. yeah. But this is pretty cool. I actually really I wonder like if you'd it. like the, the agua frescas yeah. things that we got before. Yeah. Oh, yeah? I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... I was so excited to drink coconut water when I went to Jamaica. I stopped by the little dude on the side of the road and I, you know, who was selling all the fruits and local yumminess that, that was there. And I watched him chop it up and like put a straw and I took the biggest gulp. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is the grossest thing I ever had in my life. I was so upset because like I, the <laughs> whole entire plane trip to Jamaica <laughs> was like all about this coconut water. Cause I mean, you see it. On TV, yeah. and like, oh, it's so refreshing. It was not refreshing. It was not good. Um, but this <laughs> is actually, um, I don't really taste any of the coconut either, like yeah. Jen says. So I was afraid it was going to be really um, overwhelming with that coconut flavor and gross mm-hmm. me out, but it wasn't at all. So um, top point, Pepper, <laughs> I don't know if you are um, familiar with our rating system, but... I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did my homework, <laughs> But we do have a rating system of one to five, um, with our um, one being a flaccid. Um, our number two... Oh, I forgot that they changed the one that was here, because uh, we, we shared this particular studio with another podcast, and they changed the ratings, and so we have to look to see what the original ones are. So the second one is initial. Number three is partial. Four out of five is full. And a five out of five is rigid. And if you want to go six out of five, that's super saiyan. So, um, Sarah, what would you like to rate the beer? It's really close to a super saiyan for me. Really? Yeah, only because it's like uh, such a high percentage and you can't taste that at all. Uh Not even into like... That's right, it's okay. No, you can't taste it but like i took two sips and i can feel it okay <laughs> it, it kind of left me like you know how when you drink whiskey and after you drunk whiskey like you can feel like a little numbness, numbness? yeah yes. that's what i'm i feel that a little bit on my tongue 13 is the most i've had in a long time yeah mm-hmm. and i don't even like sweets and i like this okay so yeah, yeah. so and then it just um, I think the can art is creative. Yes, the can is super. I was just saying it's a little bit triggering because it it's it's <laughs> definitely holiday themed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it, it's the end of September and I'm just not ready for the holidays yet. But it's super cute uh, and I really like the colorings, the pastels, and uh, it's really reminiscent of as uh, Jen was saying, like a uh, and pepper, like a French. Um, pat- Patisserie, how do you say? Patisserie. Patisserie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a French bakery. Yes. yes, there you go. Looks like Candyland, but pastel. Color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's your rating? Um, I'm going to, oh gosh, I want to give it a Super Saiyan, but I'm just going to go like Super Saiyan minus one. Okay. So a rigid. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I really want to so give it more. So rigid. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because I want it to be better than a rigid, but it's not Super Saiyan yet. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a Super Saiyan. Oh. Because I really like it. And I don't think I've had, uh, I think the only other one that I've done this is the Sticky Monkey. Mm-hmm. And this is like, 
with Sticky Monkey, you can definitely taste, like, bourbon bourbon. Yeah. This is, like, this is, it's not, like, sweet, like, you're eating, uh, like, a pastry sweet, but it's definitely, like, there, and it's very evocative of that, and I like it. It's, it feels like I'm drinking in a bakery. Oh, wow, that's a great combination. So, and I, they, they, that's what they set out to do, and so they have exceeded my expectations, because I don't know what I was expecting when I was <laughs> drinking it. It also reminds me, there is, when I was in San Diego, there is, um, um this place called Little Desserts, and they're, like, number one in San Diego for desserts. Mm-hmm. But they, their larger store in the Gaslight District has, um, uh, French bakery-inspired tea. Oh wow! Yeah, and nice. I bought and I bought a black tea macaroon inspired one, and oh. it reminds me of that. I'm also out of that one, so I have to make my way down to San Diego sometime <laughs> soon and get it. But it's really good, and it reminded me of that. So when something reminds me of my tea, I like it. Nice. So it's just gonna be a super saiyan for me. Nice, I like mm-hmm. it. So super saiyan, a rigid and a half first. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Kristen, and I am going to go against the grain and give it a full. Because Fair. I'm not a fan of porters and uh, stouts, and this is a stout, but the sweetness is very, very overpowering for me, and I am a hoppy beer person. Yes, true. Yeah. And, that is true. And this, I, I'm having trouble even finishing the little taster size right now. And so, like, I, I want my beer to be beer. Got it. <laughs> no, yeah, of course. Uh, of course. And so, but not, this is really good. The flavor is there, um, but just it's not for me. Um, not secretly whiskey with sugar? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, a four out of five is not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> so, Pepper, how about you? I think I'm going to agree with you. I think I'm going to go with a four, but that's actually a compliment yeah. because I'm not a fan of coconut, but this is kind of doing it for me. It feels like I just took a bite of a pastry and it has a bunch of booze in it. Oh! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, I'm like, okay, that's cool. And I think it's, it's kind of winning me over. So it's a, it's a strong four, but a positive, nice. a positive yeah. four. Nice. It, what are those chocolates with like Jack Daniels yeah, in them? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh my God, that's exactly how what this are tastes they called? like. The, the Godiva. Uh, don't they look like little bottles? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, those, but there's also like little chocolate. Little round ones. Yeah. Oh, I haven't what are they called? Oh, well, anyway. Yeah, I forget what they're called, I but don't... everyone knows what they are because they always release them around Christmas yes. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little yeah. candies with hooch in them. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, guys, that was our beer review and rating. now that we've uh, loosened you up with our, uh, <laughs> our beer and, and, and um, you're Loosen ready. This is charitable. Little... <laughs> Wasted. No. You're, you're ready to tell us all your secrets. Um, we would love for you to start talking to us about um, your your works and um, here you're here today specifically talking about the Hat Boys. And so we were really wondering, as a writer, your options for how you could have presented this story um, to a wide audience definitely varied. You could have done a screenplay. You could have done uh, all kinds of different uh, mm-hmm. things. You could have done a novel. Um, but you chose graphic novel format. So can you tell us and our listeners why you chose uh, to to write it in a graphic novel format? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think I did it just based on resources. And I'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of comics and 
I could have done a screenplay and these things like that, but I don't think it would have been made. Yeah. Um, or at least the yeah. way that I would, the way that I wanted. And so I kind of took a page out of the Robert Rodriguez idea of just like, use what you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like to draw, and I um, just decided that that was the best way to do it. And also because I think I mentioned in the book at one point in the afterword about panels being like windows. Yes. And you're being yeah. allowed into almost like in a voyeuristic kind of way, like fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. Where you get to see inside the lives of these people, and and I think that that was just the best medium for mm-hmm. the message, and um, it just it works so well. And I love comics. Comics are so powerful to me. And uh, being you know reading Mouse and reading oh, yeah. Watchmen mm-hmm. and uh, anything kind of Fantagraphics pulls out or DQ mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. Sabrina recently, which is crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just a great vehicle, and it's so so funny, and it's like a book with pictures, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, we wanted to ask what some of your favorites are, and you've just shared right now. Did any of those favorites that you've read um, throughout your history of loving comics um, specifically influence the way that you wrote this book? Um, I think Watchmen overall, okay. and that's a yeah. weird kind of thing because it's not, it doesn't, there's aren't superheroes, and it's yeah, but just mm-hmm. the amount of depth and care that was put into every inch of that comic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, listening to Alan Moore and, and uh, talking about his process when he was writing it. And I've read that book so many times and you get so many different things every time. That, yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, there's a lot of drawings in the background that you that kind of um, inform the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is perfect because there's so much that I could... I cut a lot from the book, too. Oh. And, um, Director's there, cut. <laughs> yeah, I, I could. Um, I I cut a lot of it too because I just felt like it was kind of a. It was, it would have been gratifying for people that know Watts and, right, and to right. see these extra little things. But I thought for I was thinking about the reader that doesn't know Watts, mm-hmm. and that's who this is. It, it's for everybody, but it's for them mostly. You mm-hmm. know, for mm-hmm. pe- I think that the book congratulates you for knowing these landmarks. Like we mm-hmm. were talking a little earlier about the bridge and things uh-huh. like that. Um, like the rainbow but I, yeah. exactly. But I was keeping uh, keeping in mind people that don't know Watts because I don't want to alien, alienate them when I want because I want them to know that's the purpose. Of it. We mm-hmm. we kind of glossed over it very briefly in the intro, but just for our listeners who this is their first introduction, can you tell us a little bit about what the Hat Boys is about? The Hat Boys is about um, these two young men who are in, living in, in Watson. They they're kind of punkers and little nerds and. They get caught up in a kind of an uncompromising situation and have to figure their way out of it. That's a very general way of putting it. But it's also a love letter to South Central Los Angeles, a lot of icons. And um, Mm -hmm. it's it's something that goes back to something a mentor said to me a long time ago. You know, she was teaching me, and I didn't realize the perception that people had about Watts. Mm -hmm. And so when I started getting older and she was still my mentor, she said, I would tell her, like, what I didn't realize that people thought this about us. She's like, mm-hmm. you know, but people forget their families here. You yeah. know, that's mostly what you see as yeah. families. Yeah. And so in, in the book, there was a, a, a part where the character's having a monologue, and he's realizing that the neighborhood is changing for him. You yeah. know, and he's, he's seeing all these different landmarks and how much, um, how the families are there, mm-hmm. but he's no longer a part of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think... Did I answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> the booze, you know? <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, yeah. I, just to give our, our listeners um, a little yes. bit of idea about what the book was about. And yeah, I, there you I, go. I really think that the fact that you are a native to the actual place that right. this book is taking um, place in uh, really shows. So, 
thank you for that. Yeah. So, uh, how do you define your Latinx identity, and how did this definition drive the creative process uh, behind the Hat Boys? Oh, that's a big one. (laughs) I asked the heavy hitters. (laughs) Those are are big questions, you know, and um, we can get into it if you want to. um, Yeah. But but it's basically, uh, you know, because you have to, specifically as a Chicano, Chicano identifying person, um, it's complex because you, the terminology is fuzzy, you know, in so many ways, and, and it can change, and you know, you start identifying more with your native side, but then, you know, native is not a race. It's a more of a, mm-hmm. to me, you know, from what I've learned, it's it's more of a cultural experience. Like, you have to be part of it. And culturally, it's not looked at as a color thing. So, mm-hmm. you're, I don't know, as a Chicano, I feel, like, isolated in a way. Like, I'm not really anything, you know, because I'm not native. Mm-hmm. I'm not white. I'm not so many different things. I don't really fit anywhere. But at the same time, there is a, cult, a shared experience with mm-hmm. people from South Central Los Angeles. That, mm-hmm. And so I thought it was really important to have to, because every time that we see stories about Chicano people, like, you know, brown folks, it's always like kind of like Aztec evangelists, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that kind of situation. And that's mm-hmm. cool. And I really like them. And I le- I've learned a lot and I idolize a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't my experience. My experience was half black and half brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I don't really ever see that because whenever it's South Central Los Angeles, it's a very black experience that's showed in media. And whenever mm-hmm. it's yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a Chicano experience, it's always like Lowriders and East LA. And that wasn't yeah. my experience either. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so, I feel that. I and feel so that. I wanted to share a very nuanced experience of what it's like to be brown in South Central Central Los mm-hmm. Angeles, where my accent is less Spanish-sounding but more black-sounding in the mm-hmm. sense where it's this hybrid version of black and brown. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I yeah. definitely understand that, especially because I, I too, have, I've never really related to the Chicana, uh, right. Chicanx uh, title, mostly because it's always been very Mexican right. to me, and right. I'm not Mexican. I grew up around a lot of uh, Mexican and Salvadorian, right. but my background is Guatemalan. My, uh, my dad's Guatemalan, but he's not in the picture, so I, culturally I'm not Guatemalan, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. culturally I grew And up just like, like that distance of ni de aquí ni de allá. Yeah, yeah, in uh, Nepantla, you know. Yeah, right? and so that that's really cool. And we had talked a bit beforehand about uh, the Hat Boys, yeah. and I had mentioned to you that the fact that when I read the synopsis, I had to double check to I double check <laughs> to see that you, the person who was making the book, was actually Latinx. Right. Because... If it wasn't, to me, it would have been a racist book. Right. That's you get a lot of that with anything. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if Friday was made by a white person, that'd oh. be our- <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. Friday. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love Friday too. But if yeah, if it was made by a white person, yeah, it would be, be really, it would be it would have been yeah. racist. So because we had talked about how the fact if if you're not an ex, then you're talking about your culture. Mm-hmm. Right. You're ta- you're sharing a piece of yourself. If you're not, then it just becomes. Uh, Pain porn. It's a caricature. Yes, it's a caricature, and it's just a it's a person talking about what they saw. They're not part of this community. They're an outsider. Right, and Mm -hmm. yeah, I think when you're a person in the community, you can totally comment and tease and make fun of and love all because it comes from Mm -hmm. a place of knowing, you know. And um, yeah, I I I, I don't hold any punches in the book, you know. No, you certainly do not. You know, I thought about being revisionist and, and changing the way a certain characters say, like, mm-hmm. you know, brown characters in the book drop N-words all the time. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I thought, like, 
if I did that, if I went back and revised any of that stuff, it would be lying to the past. You know, I grew up saying that because I grew up in that neighborhood. And then mm-hmm. you kind of be, you get to an age, like teenage years, and you get you start getting explained, and you understand mm-hmm. why that's problematic and you mm-hmm. shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But not everybody gets the message, and you know, no. you throw it around to, to your black friends, and they don't they don't even register it either because it's just they hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I um, yeah, I just uh, I. I, I I specifically loved that interaction with the mom when she's like, lava los trastes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was like one of my favorite scenes. Oh, thank <laughs> you. So you did funny. not pull any punches. It was so genuine. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. It made me laugh out loud. There was a word there that I'd never heard before. I had to look it up. Was it hocico? Hocicon. Hocicon. Okay. Yeah. I'd never heard that before. Hocico is how you refer to mouth, but to an animal. Right. Oh. So you're like, hocicon is, con is like, Large, so uh-huh. like big mouth. Right. right. But okay. in, in a derogatory term, because it's yes. for animals. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'd never heard it before. No. When oh. I read that scene, I swear to God, it was my neighbors. <laughs> I, was just all like, I was just all like, huh? I was just all like, are they arguing outside right now? It was very relatable. and yeah. it's, But it's just, it's nuances like that. The Spanish and everything was very like... It's Kristen might not have realized, but I recognized it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah oh, recognized yes. it, mm-hmm. and that's not something that would have happened if it was not a person with a Latinx background. Right. Instead, it would have been in English, and it would have been stilted. Right. Or right, if right. that was if they would, or they would have tried like a Google Translate Spanish. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that was important because I, I I heard that, and I thought that it would that was an important character moment for that particular mm-hmm. character because it showed. Mm-hmm. That he had that kind of disrespect for his own mom, and yeah. Yeah. so that's Absolutely. why he had that kind of capacity of pushing uh, the Benny character to do what he did. Because yes. Benny's mm-hmm. a little more uh, reserved; mm-hmm. he's a, he thinks about it. He's very heady. He's yeah. always in his yeah. head. Whereas Indy is all forward, I mean, you know. And I so mean, this yeah. kid loves poetry. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and you know that says a lot. Even though what kind of mom he has, or what kind of living situation, family situation. He has this love for something that you wouldn't ordinarily find in mm-hmm. a kid his age. Right. And so that, was, that, and that, that was comes awesome. from me. You know, I think I, I let the characters borrow a lot from Because I was a weird kid, you know. I said that I was an only child. And so I had to fill up my time with a lot of stuff. And growing up in Watts, the cool thing about it is that there is a lot of the stereotypes that you hear about. But at the mm-hmm. same time, there's always this, there's always an empowerment movement that kind of goes hand in hand with the negativity, right? You mm-hmm. have... 100% of the negativity, but also 100% of people fighting to teach kids about their culture and mm-hmm. fighting, you know, learning mm-hmm. about the black movement and learning about the Chicano movement really early on. And so you start hearing about poetry and writing and self-empowerment and things very, very young. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I lent the character that, the love of, I'm not a big poetry guy, like super, super big, but I like writing. In general, I've always mm-hmm. been a big fan of writing. I thought I was going to be a rapper when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I mean, that, it, which lasted maybe like a few months. But, but as you can tell, everything I do, I put my heart into everything. And so writing was always important for me because it's easy, you know, to do in the sense that you don't need technology for it. All you need mm-hmm. is a pen and a paper. And it's right there. And so um, I, I lent that to the character to give him, you know, some three, like three dimensionality. You could see that he's thoughtful mm-hmm. and he, uh, he's not just this idiot kind of wooden character. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know. When we were talking a lot about the writing style, but <clears throat> you are the sole creator of the Hat Boys. I mean, not only did you write the story, but you drew it as well. The, your art style is really compelling. 
and it facilitates the flow of the story by de- depicting Watts, the Watts neighborhood in a really realistic way. Um, what was your process to create these, create the places and people that are so po- perfectly representative of the Watts neighborhood? How do you think this impacts the whole story overall? Um, so I guess let's break down that question. So the first part is the process, right? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I went to Cal Arts, and uh, I went my first few years. I I didn't. I come from a kind of ska, well, you know, like ska core, <laughs> punk yeah. back from South Central mm-hmm. backyard punk scene kind oh, of yes. thing. Oh yes, yeah. And so we had a band, and uh, I was I was very dedicated to guitar, and I wanted to be a rock star, right? Mm-hmm. So after being a rapper, and so I thought, you know, I thought going to college to learn to it was dumb. <laughs> but I, I ended up going to CalArts, and um, I mean, when I was there... It's not a bad school. <laughs> it's one of the best art schools right. it's, in the it nation. Was cool. But I also felt very isolated there and kind yeah. of invisible. There was a lot that I had to deal with the first few years. There was a lot of culture shock, you mm-hmm. know, being the only person from South Central there that I knew of. There's a few other, but others, but I, I didn't really connect with them, and I, I tried my best to assimilate. And, and really leave who I was behind and try to fit into this thing because I said, okay, like I've never experienced this. These people have more than I do, so let me try to act like them and be into what they're into so I could kind of catch up. Mm-hmm. You know, they would, I would be in conversations with people and I didn't understand the references. You know, they would talk about media and all these different things and movies. I'm like, I've never seen any of these mm-hmm. things. You know, I come from where we had one South Park DVD and we passed it around oh. with everybody, you know, mm-hmm. one Jackass movie, you know what I mean? And oh, that's yeah. all we oh, watched. Oh, yeah, the Jackass movie. Yeah, like, yeah. We, we would share skateboards and, and mm-hmm. things like that. So everything was shared and you only watched it if someone passed it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never owned DVDs. I think my own, the only VHS I ever had was, like, Hercules. Yeah. You know, that's the only one that I had for years. That's yeah, all, yeah. You know, because my mom was too poor to afford anything. So when I went there, I felt very stunted. And, mm-hmm. um... Uh, comics kind of saved me in a way, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I took a class with a guy named Michael Stock, I think. He um, he was teaching a history of comics class. And I've always kind of been into comics, but I only had that one wizard magazine, and I was into the cartoons. <laughs> and so I put all the drawings on my walls. And um, and uh, so I took the class, and I started learning, and I went from the beginning, right? I went, like, the the little Lulu stuff, the, mm-hmm. I think the fight is it Nemo? The yeah, uh, little Nemo. Little yeah. Nemo. I went through that, and then I went, it was like a crash course in all the greats, right? Mm-hmm. You learn about Alan Moore, and then you, even the Little Rockets, you go through um, just all of them, New yeah. Gaiman, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is this is awesome. Yeah. And there was another class that was how to make comics with a guy named Jim, I forget his last mm-hmm. name, but Jim Higgins, actually. And that's when I developed the story for the Hat Boys. You know, it was mm-hmm. close to what happened with Trayvon Martin, and I kind of was inspired by a story that also happened to a friend. He mm-hmm. uh, got arrested for public drunkenness, and he was mm-hmm. being kind of foul with the police. And I was like, you're an idiot. You know, you, you could have been killed. Like, really, mm-hmm. you could have been really, really hurt. And I it just all these different things clicked. And I decided to write the story for this class, and it shocked everyone in the class because everyone was writing kind of, you know, manga-inspired stuff or, like, <laughs> super Disney stuff. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is a story about these two kids. And they smoke and they do drugs and they're super lowbrow, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, it was really crude then. Uh-huh. It was just, like, maybe, like, a 10-page comic. Yeah. And it just it just zooms through the story. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to do it justice. I was like, I, I think I could do something really cool with this. Yeah. You know, and so four years went by of few false starts 
Mm-hmm. You know, I tried to start it. My drawing abilities weren't really there. And I was like, I'll just wait. I'll get better. I'll get better. I'll mm-hmm. train. I was like Rocky, you know. <laughs> so four-year montage, you know. Yeah. And then finally, I decided to, to do it. I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to dedicate time to do it. And I would wake up every day at 3 o'clock in the morning before mm-hmm. I went to work and just draw. Wow. And just draw. And it took a year. Amazing. A year to get to this final, the final form. I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Goku. Um, <laughs> um, the final, it, it took yeah. its final form after the four years of trying. And yeah, I finished it in a year. Dedicated every day. Every day working on it. And your it's artwork is great. Thank you. And the, the coloring is really yeah. good too. I really liked it. Oh man, thank you I mean, so when, much. When you have the, uh, kind of like the, um, pictures of the people like in the panels yeah. there's one Latina that uh, I saw and then there was like uh, an altar of La Virgen de Guadalupe. Right, right. And I'm just like, this could be my like my neighborhood. Like it just it was <laughs> so spot on and so like genuine and really true to form. It was just amazing. I I, I tried mm-hmm. my best and I really you know I did what I could to I would I have a lot of photographs of Watts too. I have a photo zine and um, I I'm all about documenting the history and uh, one of the mentors that I have many mentors but one of them was said you know if you don't tell your story somebody will do it for you yeah mm-hmm. and so that has always resonated with me and that's kind of my mode of operation mm-hmm. and so I I take responsibility for it I want to do it and so I, I did my best to try to capture everything as realistic as possible and then involved not pulling punches you know mm-hmm. what I mean because it would have been a Disney-fied version oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 absolutely and so uh, I'm glad that it worked out yeah. <laughs> well yeah. I think even in just the the drafts that you were showing me when we met, yeah. um, the art and the coloring and everything that you were showing me in your in your printouts that you had, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really super ghetto, just really stood <laughs> out to me. Yeah. And um, and so I that was when I was like, oh, we really need to talk. And I'm glad that you did follow up. Oh, of course, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, but the the art and everything just looked so awesome. And then the story that you were telling me. Uh, obviously just really uh, hit home with me as well. So I, I appreciate you guys appreciate the color because I almost didn't color it myself. Really? Yeah, yeah. I feel very insecure about coloring it. I, coloring it. I feel pretty comfortable about inking and penciling it if, if that was fine, but mm-hmm. I was like, I, I, I can't possibly color this. And um, and I had a, I asked a friend if she could do it, and I think she got too busy, and she kind of just was like, I can't do it. And I was like, mm-hmm. I guess I have to do it myself. And so what I did was like, okay, I need really cool color uh, palette. Uh-huh. And so what I did, I just took a picture of the sunset. You know? Oh. Yes, that is what yeah. it, I was going to say. Like, oh, there's a specific shot in here where it shows the neighborhood in the beginning of the book. Yeah. And it looks like a street off of, it, it literally looks like the street off of Los Angeles yeah. at like 4 or 5 a.m. Yeah, you know, like around like, like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. when the sun is just yeah. rising. And it's, uh, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, so that's the morning, really so in the morning, I totally mm-hmm. took a picture of the, of the sky and I just, in Photoshop, I just kind of took, I dropped tool and just used that as my palette. And towards the end, I was like, well, it's nighttime. And I, I, I'm a big fan of like cyberpunk and so I kind of went for that. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> that, that color palette, some neon colors mm-hmm. and things like that. And, uh, I remember one of the, I showed the book to somebody kind of who could have, you know, Pushed the book forward a little further, an agent kind of thing, and she was like, oh, I hate the colors. What? Yeah. Are you <laughs> she was like, oh, they're so garish. And I said, really? oh, okay. I don't think you understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
I think they fit really well because yes, you, you call them you call them like um uh like uh like sunrise like sun, sunrise sunset yeah yeah and especially what the content of those stories I think it's very fit because that's a lot of what they're doing takes place at night yeah it's a timeline it's a, yeah, yeah. yeah and so it's a, it's a, it was very fitting to me and I could see it because we don't. I, we don't really see them in the daytime besides when they're going to school. Right, right. And I swear right. to God, that school could be my high school. <laughs> yeah, Jordan, that school is Jordan High School. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, it's so funny because I really, really appreciate a lot of it. And in specific, I, I wanted to ask is, what was the most important thing you wanted to convey to your audience about Watts and the people who live there? Because, like, there's South Central, Watts, Compton, the, that entire area kind mm. of is, it could all be the same. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've frequented so a lot of those areas. Yeah, many <laughs> people it is the same. But it, it, depending on where you live, you, yeah, there's they're different. Yeah. Compton, Watts, uh, South Central, East LA, mm-hmm. those are very, very different, yeah. but still get kind different of code encompassed. Of ethics and yeah. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Different things and different. Uh, you had mentioned before, like, lowriders and stuff like that. Right. I grew up with lowriders because where I lived when I was younger, there was, um, uh, they would always have, like, lowriders and lowrider races and stuff like that on Vernon and Vroom and Fig, okay. where the right aid is, because yeah. it was a huge parking lot, and they never closed it. Right. So people would just crowd there for lowrider shows, and the lowriders always passed by my neighborhood. Right. And we would, and so, like, I kind of grew up with that. Uh, so and I really appreciated that when I saw it in the book. I want to take a moment to give a shout out to Watts Life because they, there are lowriders <laughs> in, in there's a, a lowrider club called Watts Life that's mm-hmm. in Watts and they have shows nice. at the Ted Watkins Park every oh, nice. every Sunday. So we mm-hmm. I, I did see them, but it wasn't as omnipresent as you would imagine. Mm-hmm. Like in the movies, you see movies and they're everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're everywhere. And it's just like, no, they have days. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they do exactly. stuff outside of their lowriders. Right, exactly. Yeah. They ride Hondas too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now we, I mean, uh, there's some, some Sundays that I'll go pump gas and there's yeah. like a bunch of like bikers. Right. right and yeah. I mean, there's like all sorts of automotive clubs in the cities. So yeah, it's like yeah. super cool. Mm-hmm. Every time I see them, I'm like, burn rubber, not your soul. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, Is it's that really, a ghost reference? No, 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 that's um, a Torque or Throttle reference. It's a horrible movie, but oh. it's really just hilarious. But um, no, I mean, I'm just, uh, it's just really cool how people get together and share like a common love yeah. and create these like, you know, groups or activities that are, you know, family oriented. And I think that's the part of our cities that I love because we record in Compton, so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the part that I actually Easy love. Drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I'm sorry, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> He's referencing the fact that I drove two hours from Santa Monica <laughs> today. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to Jen's yeah. uh, point and question, was there something specific that you were really wanting to convey about the people in place and, and places in Watts? Yeah, I think I wanted to. I mean, it's kind of hacked to say, but really the diversity that mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. there, that there is, there isn't a monoculture in these mm-hmm. neighborhoods. You know, you watch, and I grew up, I was inspired by a lot of things to your first question, actually, uh, you know, Boys in the Hood, yeah. uh, Blood and Blood mm-hmm. Out. Mm-hmm. And there's this French movie called Lion, which is one of my favorite movies. And it's about these hoodlums that live in France. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I kind of stole the idea, borrowed, inspired <laughs> by the idea of the time lapse or like they have, the ticking clock, like in the play, you hear the ticking yes. clock. That's totally yes. a reference oh. to, okay. to that, and how there's all these time skips and in the book. And so I borrow, I was really heavily inspired by that. And and in all those movies, you get to see how um, 
it's it's it, because it's a movie that centers around like specific characters and it has the place to go and there's a lot of money involved with movies they have to streamline everything so it feels like a bit of a monoculture in, in those mm-hmm, movies mm-hmm. but when with the comic you could take your time yeah. you know you could put things in the you could put it like a tamale man in the background yeah. you know yeah. what I mean and mm-hmm. and I think that that's really what I wanted to do also with the book and represent a lot of different things like specifically with that middle part with the monologue yes. where I really get an opportunity to highlight many different things you know we have like dog fights yes. where they mm-hmm. fight pit bulls mm-hmm. and at the same time the next panel you'll have someone selling flowers on the corner yeah. and then you, he walks through the neighborhood and then he sees like a liquor store but then he'll see some people like some older black guys playing dominoes mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so you could show the many different sides of this one neighborhood that's so small it's like two miles wide two miles long right. mm-hmm. you know and um, and that's kind of one of the most important things I wanted to do to get back to the idea of, of these being yeah. And, yeah, and that particular part of the book, too, really stood out to me and resonated with me um, for exactly that reason. Uh, I was looking at it, and I was it, it really hit me, the diversity right. of what Watts really is, of what really any neighborhood is. Right, exactly. Any neighborhood Anything. in, in you know, the United States or in Los Angeles or wherever. Um, there are, uh, neighborhoods are made up of a multitude of different types of people and cultures mm-hmm. and ethnicities and um, that really uh, stood out to me in that part of the book that you're talking about. Yeah, thank you. I, I worked really, really hard to do that. And there's some that part in particular, there's some Easter eggs too. Uh, Kerry James Marshall is a very famous painter that um, mm-hmm. lived in Watts at one point. He grew up in oh. the same projects that I did, Nickerson Gardens project. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he also his his mode of operation is the same to represent the neighborhood and represent these uh, the black bodies doing very natural things mm-hmm. like hugging or mm-hmm. eating. Mm-hmm. And so I actually borrowed some of his characters and kind of po- posed them in different ways. And they're also referenced in the book. And there's also, I took like, um, for a specific, like for, like the characters that are, you know, selling merch on the street, you know, they're seated like Mayan kings. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they have like a Mayan, like I took the pose from like a Mayan, you know, the profile. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're seated like that, or like the guy selling fruit on the corner looks like one of the sculptures. Like oh, I wow. took the pose of one of the sculptures from, so there's a uh-huh. lot of tiny little Easter eggs that yeah. if you really know and you kind of, you see, mm-hmm. you're like, wow, like he's referencing like a specific Mayan or, you know, a Mexica mm-hmm. thing yeah. or something. You know oh, what that's I'm saying? Cool. Yeah. yeah. That is super well, cool. Yeah, while I was reading the book, I was seeing, like, a lot of these look like murals. Like, they yeah. could be murals that you can see, like, on the, on the storefronts or, like, in buildings and stuff like that. And I thought that was really cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm so happy you guys got all that. <laughs> this story has been living in my head for so many years, and it feels like I, I had to just kind of get it out of me. I really didn't. It felt like a monkey on my back, you know? Uh-huh. I was like, ah, forget the hat boys. I won't do it. I'll focus on something else. I have mm-hmm. more, I have like other comic ideas as well. And, uh-huh. But it just kept coming back and yeah. I, I, I tried 110% to try to get it right. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad it resonated. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> awesome. of 110%, I mean, being the sole creator of this project is, can be so overwhelming. Uh, what was the process behind, at be, in from the beginning of the project and how long did it take, uh, from when you had the idea to when you published the book? Uh, when did it begin? I know there's so many questions, but the, I, I swear I want to know the answer yeah. to all of them. Um, were there any barriers or any moments of self-doubt? I mean, I know you covered a little bit of the yeah. self-doubt and how long this monkey was living on your back, but I mean, you, basically did everything yeah. i mean even colored it i just found out <laughs> <laughs> um 
Um, I, yeah, the, the self-doubt thing is real. Just because I didn't think anybody would care. You know, I, I think I would make the story and it was like for my friends and for them to be like, oh, you drew Hawkins Burger? That's awesome. You, <laughs> you know, you drew Markham, you reference like a local celebrity, you know, I mentioned someone named Green Eyes who, if you're from Watts, you know specifically who that is. You know, it's just, just a neighborhood icon, you know, and, um, and, and so yeah, the self-doubt at some point, like, halfway through it, you're, you know, 50 pages in and you have like a hundred pages more to go or whatever. And you're like, should I even continue doing this? I haven't slept in three days properly. I'm drawing these pencils that sometimes look kind of crude. And, like, is it worth it? Is anyone going to care? I'm gonna, Is it too raw? You know, is, is the fact that I held back from writing the, the, the language the way it is? And, you know, it can get kind of homophobic sometimes. And it's just very mm-hmm. real to 2001 and roughly the late 90s and mm-hmm. how we kind of grew up in this kind of machista way of speaking and very... Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the self-doubt was heavy, really mm-hmm. heavy. But I, I kind of pers- plowed through because I I didn't want the monkey on my back, you know. I just didn't <laughs> yeah. to get it out of me. And so that's why it took so long. It took three years of thinking about it and a year of actually doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To Sarah's question, I actually um, am interested to know how you hooked up with One Piece books. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a wonderful resource for you all comic uh, creators out there. Um, you know, just type in... Publishers that accept work from artists. <laughs> <laughs> I know sometimes it's that obvious, and um, and there's a huge. And there you go. Yeah. And, th- and there are resources out there. There's like you know the first hit is this angel really, <laughs> mm-hmm. who kind of put together a list of everybody from you know Dark Horse to um, you know the, your next door neighbor who publishes comics. Nice. It's like literally everybody. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I, I did the work. You know, I wrote a synopsis. I did everything. Mm-hmm. I, that's also the important part. I just didn't have, like, I had to do everything right, yeah. and send it out. I did personalized emails to every single one of them. Fanographics wanted you to mail things in. I was like, all right, it's a long shot, but here it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I sent it in. DNQ everybody. Dark yeah, Horse. Yeah. I got some responses. Mm-hmm. Dark Horse was like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, but then uh, One Piece was one of the earlier ones that they, they kind of were interested. I got shout out to Robert for seeing, like almost a week after he, he I was sending the email he's like I love this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to do it and I was like holding off I was like oh, I'm going to hold off a little bit and, and, and you know I got some more responses and I was like I should I just, just go with Robert mm-hmm. you know he, he was so nice and he was patient and I got back to him and I said look sorry it's been so long like, it was a few months I think mm-hmm. I had an injury as well that kind of held the process up too I broke my arm I had oh, a big no. fall and mm-hmm. had surgery and now I'm like half cyborg <laughs> um, same oh <laughs> yeah you're like and so um, and I thought you know what he probably forgot about it and I reached out and he's like no we're still interested oh, nice. and then we went forward with it and it's been lovely ever since and they treat me really well and you know he responds to emails really quickly and mm-hmm. you know they were really into it and I think that one piece what they do I think they're, where they make the big bucks is uh, they do translations of manga. Right? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it didn't click. <laughs> yeah, they do translations uh-huh. of mangas for, for American audiences. And I think that on the side, they're starting this catalog of homegrown talent, you know. Nice. And uh-huh. um, it feels like prestige reads. It feels like they're trying to put their head in the ringer for things, something like D&Q or Fanographics, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. especially with something like my stuff and 
Um, yeah, no, it's been really lovely. You know, I love the cover. I was really yeah, the cover's awesome. You know, and yeah. it's it's my artwork, but it's it, but it's kind of like a pastiche of a few panels mm-hmm. put together. Mm-hmm. And I was so hesitant about letting that go. I was uh, all sending him like a cover ideas. Yeah. He's like, hold on, young chap. You know? <laughs> <laughs> We're selling comics here. You know, like we have to make it good. Yeah. And to his credit, you know, he. Uh, we went through a few cover designs and I fell he like he won me over. I'm a big fan of pink and purple. It's yeah, really my yeah. color palette and um he they did the cover and I was like, Oh yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe I wanted to do the cover. Now in retrospect I look at my cover designs and I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say this. Um I read this book uh online. Thank you for the PDF. Oh yeah, of course. Um but immediately after finishing it, I was just so happy and just just really energized and just really in love with the book that I'm like, I want my nephew to read it. My nephew's going to be 13 in October. Okay. And um, I'm just like, he may not want be one of the hack boys, but he knows somebody that is. Yeah. Right. And so, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't mind that it's so crude. Like, yeah. I want him to read that. Right. Yeah. They hear it anyway. Yeah. yeah they exactly. hear it. They're going to be exposed. Yeah. I've never been one to stop children from reading stuff that people consider is, like, out of their age group because... Yeah. If they're not going to find it on the internet itself already, then I mean, yeah. other media yeah. is cool. Yeah. Well, to, well, the, uh-huh. to that point, I mean, the reason I was able to create something like the Hat Boys is because of mentors that I had that were like, yeah, we're teaching you animation and Disney and, you know, really happy stuff, but here's Goodfellas on the side. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and check out this, like, long shot when he's walking, you know, like Henry Hill's walking and he's going into the mm-hmm. the, the club and, you know, if they set the table, notice this, and, like, mm-hmm. here's uh, The Shining and here's mm-hmm. Clockwork Orange even, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like, you could borrow it, bring it back later when you finish. I watched that movie, like, five times in a row or something, and I showed it to my friends. I'm like, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, you, the kids are going to get it anyway so it's cool if it's it's given to them not in a kind of corny sweaty way like but in mm-hmm. a very kind of like check this out yeah, you know yeah, what I mean exactly. this is kind of this is contraband right yeah, here. yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually on a, a ride where I picked up my nephew at school um, I was like oh, I just read this comic book man and I really want you to read it he's all well, why am I not reading it yet? I'm like, oh, I still have to get the book. I read it on the, on the, on the computer. He's like, oh, okay. He said, I thought maybe you weren't going to ever let me read it. And I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, yeah. So, I'm yeah. Like, like, he followed up with me on that. I'm like, <laughs> on, the other side, on the other side, though, I think I was checking out the Romans website, Romans in Pasadena. It's a lovely bookstore. Yeah, and they have Romans. And they have the book in the the youth section upstairs. Really? <laughs> they just all smoke out. Ooh, I don't know about that, you know. <laughs> I would definitely say that it's like YA or yeah, something definitely. like that. But if it was like junior, I'd be like, all right, maybe not junior. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it in junior, but I would definitely, it would be definitely something I'd give a teenager. I'd be like, yeah. here, because I know you've probably experienced yeah. this. The characters Either. are teenagers, and especially if they come in neighborhoods of, you know, of marginalized people and people of color, really, like, you're going to notice this, and you're going to know exactly the characters. You may be one of the characters yourself, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it's for everybody, but it's it's for it's mo- it's for two people in particular: people that don't know anything about mm-hmm. the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and people that know the neighborhood intimately. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know. And so I think um, it teaches in one way, and it's also rewarding in another way because you see yourself represented. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. And I think yeah. that's that's a that's a good book, honestly. Thank it's you, a, yeah. It can be it, you can share something, uh, and it's also relatable. Right. And it's, it's done in a very well. I try uh-huh. not to alienate anybody. Yeah. You know? And we had 
touched upon it a little bit before. You said that the book was kind of set in the late 90s in 2001. Yeah. On your website, yes. you have merch uh, available, and one of those happens to be a cassette tape. Yeah. <laughs> An audio, uh, I was going to say audio book, yeah. but in cassette. So I find that funny because, one, a lot of older cars that are driven here yeah. still play cassette. Right, right, right. Yeah. Hi, <laughs> I have a cassette player in my car. <laughs> so uh, is it because of where the book was kind of set in that time yeah. era? Is that why you chose the cassette tape as uh, as your audio medium? Okay. So, no. <laughs> um, but now that you said that, I'm going to start saying that. Um, well, the real the real answer to that, and this is another shout out to a couple, you know, people I met, and they have a label called Comdino Records, and they put out tapes. And I went mm-hmm. to uh, my buddy Caesar invited me to go to one of their shows, and they make really awesome beats. And I was sitting down and uh, at the little merch table, and my, you know, he's my friend now, Dustin, but I met him, and they had a bunch of tapes. Still buy tapes. Yeah. yeah. He's like, bro. <laughs> people still buy tapes. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're they're super they're super fire. People buy them, mm-hmm. and he was selling them for five bucks. I'm like, how easy is it to do it? And he's like, it's pretty simple if you have a duplicator. And we kind of through the event, he was just kind of explaining to me the process. And of course, I'm a weirdo, so I try to learn everything I, I'm into. You know, screen mm-hmm. printing, composing, everything. And so I learned how to do it. And um, since I, I I do a lot of these zine events. Mm-hmm. They sell really well because it has that kind of novelty factor. They're almost yeah. like little sculptures in a way. Yeah. I'm, I don't have anywhere to play it, but it just looks so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so they sell ancient cool. tech. Yeah. Yeah. The so, reason you keep your '90s computer still yeah, yeah. <laughs> aesthetic, you know. And so, <laughs> and so but they, they sell really well, and it's also I, I I love it because it's a physical thing. It's a little knickknack tchotchke, as they say. Mm-hmm. And, 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 um, Chachara. I, yeah, chacharas, you know, mm-hmm. and I really, really like that. And I, again, I did my best for the packaging to be awesome. But now that you said it, it's like, yeah, I guess then it fits really well with the branding of it being. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, going to backyard parties and stuff, I mean, mm-hmm. like sometimes they just pass out the tapes mm-hmm. and right, stuff. Right, and then right. you're like, oh, I have that first tape they recorded. And like, right, do you want to listen right. to it? I'll copy you a copy. It was just great. My generation <laughs> didn't have that. We had MySpace. You know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. how old are you? I'm 27. Oh, my Lord. Oh, oh you're yeah. only two years older than me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so um, growing up in the 90s and the 2000s, that's why it's so yeah. at time. So the characters would have been, would have been a little older than I was in 2001, mm-hmm. but yeah. growing through the punk scene, yeah, um, we shared MySpace links. And that's sad because we don't have any of that music. <laughs> yeah. Left, yeah. You know what I mean? All that stuff is gone. gone. Yeah. 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 And there's a band you reference in there. Is that like a real band or is it? The Omecas? Yeah. The Omecas is a fictional band that's uh-huh. inspired by the, you know, the big heads, uh, yeah, the Omeka yeah, heads. Yeah. And uh, to me, they always look like bowl cuts. I know they're helmets. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, what have been, and there's so many different varieties of these me- uh, heads, and so I thought it would be really cool to do like a Ramones ripoff, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> 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 With the bowl cuts and stuff. And, stuff. <laughs> and so now they're the, a band that I reference in my own. So that's what's so cool about making so many different things. So I make t-shirts and like I have a street where called Bucket, mm-hmm. all my characters wear it. Yeah, so you know I noticed I mean? that in the yeah. book. 
Yeah. And they wear it. <laughs> or if, um, older listen, like the characters will be fans of my music, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's all a universe, a pepper universe kind of, you know. Uh-huh. That's cool. Well, in case it isn't clear to the listeners, um, not only is the Hat Boys in, uh, graphic novel form, but there is an audio story that you can listen to on his website as well as buy the awesome cassette, uh, worth the five dollars. Uh, <laughs> if you don't have a cassette player, you can come sit in my car. <laughs> Yeah. Plus, it's, I think it's... Uh, That's its own story, too. Putting that together was interesting, yeah. Really? Well, because I had to get everybody from the neighborhood to do it. And that's another yeah. thing. I was just going to say that. It's like, it's it. you should take note that when you when you hear the audio, yes. it's like all, it's like you're listening to a play. Yes, it's very, yeah. And not only that, but you did the score. Yeah. That was great. really yeah. amazing. I yeah. mean, the jazz feel... The, the kind of like hurried, uh, excitement, uh, the melancholy, like you, yeah. Every, I mean, you take us through all the stages in, of feeling in your book as well as the great audio. I mean, I thought you hired people to do this. No, I thought I you hired everything. professionals. I was like, whoa. Thank you. Yeah. So, fun fact, <laughs> I, I went to Keller's for music, actually. You oh, know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was a, a guitar and composer uh, major. And, uh, you know, I, like I mentioned a little earlier, like I didn't really feel like it fit in, you know, I wasn't the best, when I went there, I wasn't like the best guitar player and Kellerts, uh, in particular, doesn't really care if you play really fast rock music at that time, at least. And they were very kind of jazz heavy because it's a little more academic and, um, it might be different now, but when I was there, it was like that. And so I just, I just didn't fit in. I wasn't popular and I was used to being popular in high school because I had the band, you know, play mm-hmm. every weekend and people knew who I was. I'd go into Food for Less and I'm like, hey, what's up, Pepper? What's going on? <laughs> and so I felt like Springfield and Watts, you know, where everybody, you see characters in the background that you know and things like that. But now going to CalArts, I was just like a small fish in a big pond. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, but I, I got a real, the teachers were great and I got a real education and, um, I've always been a fan of animation and always been a fan of film from a young age because I got introduced to such cool stuff that I was like, I want to do both. You know, I want to, I want to be involved in animation and, and film and music. And so film was just, uh, film music was the thing that I want to do, really. And so now the dream currently is to do, like, film music and TV music uh, as a gig, but then, like, have my love of comics be the other thing, so publish books on this side. Wow. And so that's really, that's kind of the, the Yoko Kano version in a way. If you're a big fan of Cowboy Bebop, you know, yeah, yeah. she does amazing scores, but she's got her band on the side. The yeah. scene goes, this is very popular. Mm-hmm. And so instead of doing a band, do more of a, yeah. do comics, really, yeah. and zines and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty sick. That's Thanks, super yeah. cool. So a little bit about the reason why when you approached me and talked to me about what the Hat Boys was about, um, the reason it resonated with me and why I was so interested in the story and wanting to have you on the show was that um, in my professional career before I um, owned a comic book shop, I actually worked with girls. Shout out to Heidi <laughs> <laughs> I actually worked with girls involved in the juvenile justice system. Okay. I worked for an organization called Girls and Gangs. Okay. And um, so I worked with girls who were gang members or um, were. Uh, closely related to boyfriends, family members, whatever, gang members, who were locked up um, and and or on probation on the outs. And so when you were talking to me about this and I was listening to you, it really resonated with me because those stories for me are so important to be told. They are so important um, because... As you've kind of mentioned and, um, and uh, touched upon in the interview already, these are just, they're, they're real people. 
their families, their sisters, their brothers, their, you know, their, they are going through some shit. Yeah, seriously. And, and so, uh, in actually reading the story, like you said, you don't pull any punches. There's, um, there's violence, uh, there's perpetrated by, uh, neighborhood kids as well as police violence. There's, um, death. There's all kinds of stuff that people drugs. who live, drugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's people who, uh, things that people who live in the neighborhood experience on a, a day-to-day basis. Right. Mm-hmm. So talk to me. I mean, you, you already said you don't pull the punches. So why was it so important for you to portray this stuff, uh, so realistically in this book? A lot of reasons. I think that, um, we forget that we're all living through a period piece. You know, mm-hmm. when we watch period pieces in the past, it's so cool to see like movies that take place in the 60s or mm-hmm. 20s, even, you know, 1800s or mm-hmm. whatever, and you think, oh, how quaint, look at how they dressed. And you forget that the stuff you're wearing is going to be outdated one yeah. day, oh, and people yeah. are going to romanticize you in 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I, wanted, I wanted to make sure that I captured the neighborhood as it was, mm. and, and, you know, to make sure that for posterity, really. So when people see this in 70 years, um, hopefully it's still around, um, they'll say, wow, this is the way Watts used to be. Look how it is now, all these high-rises and flying cars. <laughs> <laughs> and there used to be projects and drugs here. How crazy, right? Yeah. And so um, I, I think that that was one of the I, – I, I think about the long game. And and for me, document it goes back to that. If you don't tell your story, somebody will. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's very possible that someone might want to make it. So we talked a little earlier about if the wrong person makes it, you know, they're uh-huh. going to have their biases and things like that. And so I made sure to have a point of view and the bias of someone who actually lived it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when people look back, they're like, okay, this feels authentic. This feels real. And um, you know, you can make your decision then. You know, was it good or bad? You know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, from that perspective, like seriously, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for oh, for <laughs> for for completing it and not giving up. Because mm-hmm. I mean, as I was reading it, I was even thinking, I'm going to buy some of these and I'm going to donate them to the oh. probation camps. Yeah. Like yeah. these are books that they should be. I mean, because it it's true to what they're going right. through and it's their struggle. And I, I feel like there's value in in knowing that you're not alone. I think that that mm-hmm. character, Benny, would have been an alternate universe version of me if I didn't have the empowering mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mentors that I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, my mom worked a lot, so I was a lucky kid, right? And so mm-hmm. I had a lot of people look after me. You know, it really does take a village to raise a kid. Yeah. And so, yeah. You know, they showed me things like these, and it kind of steered me into the to art, really. And that's, you know, I. The character in this story doesn't have that. Doesn't right, have the resources right. to save him. Like, I got saved by art and at the Watts Towers Art Center. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the the programs that the art classes that they have there. And now I've learned to channel that energy and that anger and that frustration and that love. All that stuff, put it in a pot, a pozole, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, and make <laughs> make the boys, yeah, You know, yeah. and so I think that if you do hand it to somebody that needs it, I think it's good. And I hope people don't get the impression that it's a super preachy book because it's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. (laughs) No, and and there's some comedy to it, too. Oh, yeah. I laughed out loud at some points. Comedy, I think, is one of the I mean, you know, get to know me, you know. I kind of, I love clowning around and playing the dozens and, you know. Um, so I make humor is a huge, huge part of my family and part of, part of my friend group. Most of my connections are based on comedy. And, and, you know, I think that if you're not a funny person, you're kind of hard to hang out with. (laughs) So it's, uh, yeah, sense of humor is probably one of the most things, probably the most important thing I value in a relationship with somebody, both friendship, romantically. And shout out to my wife, Harriet. We're 
we have that. Shout out. <laughs> we just have a lot of fun, and we have the same sense of humor, and, you know. Super it's important. important. Yeah, yeah. Mm. super. And, uh, yeah, you'll see that in most of my work, too, with the other zines. You know, they're all kind of, they're, it's similar stuff. I brought some goodies for you guys. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, Bocas Pero Locas is an interview with a lot of uh, kind of Chola characters, and I ask them questions that are kind of random, you know, like, <laughs> like why, you know, how one of the characters is inspired to name her kid Mar- Margaret because she loves margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it goes from that to, like, how do you feel about code switching? You know what uh, I mean? Uh-huh, and so yeah. it kind of goes everywhere. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, um, and that that's a zine that I, you know, because I'm working on zines more now since the book is finished. Yeah. It's a little bit easier to finish, and they take less, uh, Less strain to right, make, you yeah. know, and so, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of what my focus is right now. And my band, Pachuco Wildcat, you know, we're, we got some music out. <laughs> stuff, you know? Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in your book, there's, seems to be an overarching theme of, uh, you are the product of where you come from. Yes. Kind of, uh, thing. And it's just, uh, the, and you almost can't help it. That it'll stick with you. There's a, a a very prominent scene in the book, and I remember it because one of the characters looks like one of my cousins. <laughs> and so, um, uh, and maybe we, it is. Never <laughs> 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 saw your cousin no, walking down the street. Oh no, the funny thing is that I call him G too, oh, okay. because he's like he's old. He's older than me, and he's kind of like an older brother figure to me uh, as well. Okay. Uh, but he was also the person we went to a lot to because like he knew yeah, more yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that so he was one his name began with g too right. so we just shortened it and we just called him g, so g. <laughs> basically yeah and shout out to g because he's one of our biggest fans yeah. <laughs> so, so um um but uh in the, when they were saying they were talking about somebody who had made it out but they right. never really made it out, and yeah. they were back in Watts. Yeah. And I was like, you can't, yeah, you can't, oh, yeah, shoot. you can't help where you come from. Uh, when I was at UCLA, I had an argument with another girl, and I hadn't realized that she had come from also a poor neighborhood because right. she had done her best yeah. to hide, hide it. Mm-hmm. to hide everything. But then when we met, um, uh, it was uh, just by looking at her, I was just all like. Huh? What's up? Yeah, and then yeah. she was just like, "Please don't talk to me like that." Was good. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and uh, and she and I was just like, because like to me it was just another person of color, and right. so I was just like, "Oh hey, what's up?" And then she's just like, "Please don't talk to me like that." Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Like that, huh? Wow. Yeah. Pardon and me. Then, <laughs> and then I was just like, "Okay, then how would you like me to speak to you Whoa. with?" Because uh, there's the code switching thing yeah, yeah, and everything, yeah, and you can you can see that in the book as well like how they talk to people and stuff like that and even how i talk uh i have through everything and because of where i've gone when i was reading the book and they dropped the hard end and stuff like that it's been a while since i last so and then when i was thinking about it it's because i don't really hang out in south central anymore because of where i work and where i go to school and the places that i now frequent it's all been it's areas where you can't Right. Uh, where you don't hear that, uh, right. that language anymore. But I do hear it sometimes when I'm on the bus going home and <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. And then, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and not only that, it's just like, it's, uh, uh, that, that language is so pervasive that, yeah. uh, in my head, 
I'm like I tune it out. I, yeah. It's it's all background noise, so I don't I don't pay attention to it. But reading it, I haven't I hadn't read it. Right. Uh, in besides like there's like old literature and stuff like that that dropped it a lot. Yeah. Uh, so it was uh, and it just reminded me when they were talking about that scene like you can't part of. South Central is always going to be with me no matter where I am. Mm-hmm. Right. When I was at UCLA, when I work in Santa Monica, yeah. where I go to museums and stuff like that, I am... That's the reason you're there, one way or another. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I... So, I... I, I think, um, I mean, the, we keep kind of chiming on this bell, but I think it's important to say it. I, I do it with... I, I, I try to do it with respect, and, you know, of course, I don't speak like that anymore, and I've learned mm-hmm. my lesson. There's a lot of stuff. It's not just that. It's like just a homophobic way of speaking and stuff like that. Like, if you had a tape of me and my friends, which is pretty mixed, you know, a mixed, mm-hmm. mixed being black and brown, um, in, like, third grade, fourth grade, it's foul. It's yeah. really yeah, foul. Yeah, it's you know? foul. And uh, that's, the, but you have to kind of learn out of it because that's the way the culture mm-hmm. that there is. Yeah. But, like, you grew up in it. Yeah, you grew like up that. in it. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, and now it's funny because we're older, and so my one of my best friends, uh, Patrick, he... Uh, he, you know, he's black, so he says all this stuff, and it's funny because we make fun of our own cultures and our own backgrounds, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I'll make crude jokes about, I'm like, oh, man, it's fucking Mexicans, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> just doing Mexican shit sometimes, and I'm yeah. just like, oh, why are you selling brooms at 4 o'clock in the morning? You know, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just silly things that I can call out that are funny, but yeah. if he did, it'd be a little insensitive. Or yeah. the other way around, you know, he'll make jokes at the expense of black culture because he has to deal with it. He has to live with the yeah. good and the bad. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so we're kind of given that pass to do it because you're really commenting on your own culture, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I know that, it, but, you know, it it's real to the story. That's how these characters spoke, and I, I had to be honest about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, and I appreciate it. It, it brought back a lot of memories while I was reading it. Well, that's it. good, you know. Um, it, got <laughs> you, it probably got you speaking like it again. Today, right? I, I kind of did. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's up, bro? What's up? What's what doing, my man? What's going on? What's up? <laughs> they, they, they don't say man a lot anymore. No. So when, no, I, was, no. when I was reading it, I was just all like, oh, what's man, up? I'm a huge man or man. What's up, man? <laughs> I was just like, while I was reading it, I was just like, it's so fucking 2000. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Early 2000s. But with that character, it's funny that you said it looks like mm-hmm. someone that you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it, mm-hmm. it's actually, uh, the model is my cousin Leo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, we've talked a little bit about the Watson creating you and, and mm-hmm. your neighborhood being your background. So it, it got down to that. Like, I drew my mom in there. There's a mm-hmm. lot of my best friends that are in there. Um, and some of the main characters are... are look like certain people I know, specifically that character like my cousin, like my cousin Leo, because he was that character, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any brothers or sisters, and he was like an older brother of mine. He's the one that did everything before I did. You mm-hmm. know, he skated first, and he quit, <laughs> and I started, and I sucked at it. Yeah. He did graffiti first, and he did, you know, he was a little rougher and tougher, so I wanted to be like him, you know, because he was my role model growing up. And so, he, that's who he was. I went to him to learn about things, to learn about girls, to mm-hmm. learn about this, mm-hmm. and you know, in his really twisted way, he taught me what he knew, which is also twisted and <laughs> right. foul, you know. Yeah. And so, um, a lot of stuff I've had to unlearn, of course, but. Yeah. But yeah, he, um, yeah, he's, he's the guy that we went to, and so the characters went to him too, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And I find that I found that really, really funny because everybody knows somebody like that. Yeah. The older figure yeah, that yeah. Is, like seems so like much more worldly than you, and <laughs> yeah. then it turns out like they're in they're not so much, yeah. yeah. In hindsight, like one, they weren't that much older than you. No, seriously, they weren't. They really weren't. They really weren't. And and that's how it goes back to that's the thing I don't think kids have anymore because they're on their phones. But yeah, yeah. Mm. you know, before you really got intimate, you know, with people mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. in conversation, and you got to learn a lot from older people because you had to hang out. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and I was like, oh man, Leo has a copy of Cheech and Chong. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> let's go ask him for the copy. And we thought it was contraband. You yeah. know what I mean? And it was like oh, he has a copy of Scary Movie. Like he had the copy. Like he saw. Yeah. Blood and Blood Out. Blood and Blood Out was one of those movies I loved oh, so so yeah. much God. because it was Miklo. that. Yeah. <laughs> because of that. Because it was like sangre por sangre was in Spanish. And it made its way around and I was like, You gotta check this shit out, right? <laughs> like we sat down and we sat through it's a long movie. It's a yeah, long it movie. It's a long yeah. movie. Uh-huh. And but you know, I remember the highlights, which is the first part of the movie when they're all like the friends and the yeah. and the artist. Yeah, and the whole all. thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, we were like, I'm the artist, now. I'm I'm, 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 I'm Baco, you know. And, and um yeah, so he, he was the the shaman. You know, for mm-hmm. a long time, he was the guy that I went to, and uh, all these different things that kind of inspired me to be who I am. And it's important that I went to a school like CalArts because I got to get out of my shell as well. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, like one of the characters mentioned in the book, you know, managed to leave but wasn't able to assimilate. And, right. part, and yeah. learning yeah. to assimilate is also important, oh, you yeah. know, to be able to operate. You have to kind of go halfway, you have to meet the world halfway, but they also have to meet you halfway, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I think. Yeah, and that's so, a great. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you know, you had to kind of write, because you have to meet people, you know, everybody's got their own struggles, mm-hmm. everybody's got their own thing, even though they might have more than you. Mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of learn to navigate the world by being empathetic, you know, by learning mm-hmm. their stories, learning their struggles. It might be different than yours, you know, oh, I didn't get a car until I was 16, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, know what that, I know what that feels like. I know. <laughs> I didn't get one until I was like something, you know, I mean, so... And, um, and yeah, I think it, it, it helped and I, I think it made me a better person. But Watts is something I carry with me everywhere I go. And, you know, you see that on my work. I represent it as much as I could. Maybe later I'll grow out of doing, I'll do, it'll, it'll grow up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It'll be different. It won't be as obvious. It mm-hmm. might be a little more, you know, there's artists that are, there are artists that I, um, really admire who have moved on from the obvious depictions of, uh, of their backgrounds, you know, drawing like, you know, Aztec sons and things like that. But, um, they they do it in a more subversive way. They have different commentary. It's more nuanced, and I think I'll, I'll get there too. You know, and I'll do it my way. Um, it'd be a little more highbrow. The thing I do right now is kind of lowbrow highbrow. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I noticed was uh, how you used a dream deferred the poem. Yeah. Um, that I actually, um, I actually don't remember the poet. Who wrote it? But like I rem- but I remember the uh, raisin in the sun, the, yeah. the oh, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how I tied it in because I read that in high school. Right. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that was like the poem itself was so powerful to me back yeah. then. Mm-hmm. And to see it in this context with a comic book format right. was just amazing. How did you decide to utilize poetry to kind of set the mood? Um, yeah, that goes back a little bit to what you were saying. So mm-hmm. and what I mentioned earlier about having these uh, empowering mentors and so because it uh, Watts is a historically black neighborhood for you know for the longest time 
we got to sing, you know, even though we were brown, we were singing Swahili songs, you know, <laughs> and we were learning about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and it was more Same. like black Same. empowerment. Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. and so we were kind of indoctrinated into black thought, really, like mm-hmm. just by default because mm-hmm. we live there, you right. know. Mm-hmm. And so the, the the focus was really the the young black kids. That's who the teachers were really aiming the information mm-hmm. for. We just were collateral damage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 we just kind of learned, and so mm-hmm. yeah, I've learned all about Langston Hughes and you know the Harlem Renaissance really early on. You know, even before mm-hmm. I knew about Cesar Chavez or mm-hmm. you know um, Corky Ramirez and things like that. So. Uh, and and that's why it was important for me to because that's I learned that poem at, around that time mm-hmm. and in the early part the beginning of the uh, of the, the book it, it does a reference to Jack Kerouac mm-hmm. and America and more um, not more specific the beat movement it's Allen Ginsberg but um, and so I, I thought it was a good bookend you know because it's, it's a story that takes place throughout time and inspired by the Warriors mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. you know using the radio mm-hmm. and things like that and so it starts with the the Allen Ginsberg poem to set the tone. And mm-hmm. then it ends with that as a reflection of mm-hmm. what you just read. Mm-hmm. With, um, you know, the dream deferred. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dream was, the, I'm glad you picked that up. And, you know, mm-hmm. people that don't read poetry, I hope it makes sense to them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not a hard read, you know. Yeah, it, uh-huh. You won't get lost in it. It's very straightforward. Well, I feel like that one is one that we've all heard, especially yeah. like in like the, the Harlem Renaissance yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. For such, a, what was it, the early 1900s and stuff like that? It was a short period of time. But it was a powerful poem. But yeah, everybody like knows Langston Hughes poetry yeah. and Dream the Fruit is a good Especially one. Especially if you grew up in Sassan Trust. Yeah. In the audio story it was very powerful to hear yeah. that uh mm-hmm. and to, to just where it came in the story and to have it um with the music and everything, it was it was super um emotional to hear. Did you catch it was the the Star Spangled Banner playing in the background, but in a minor key? Oh no, so I don't think I did. Like, you know, it's really sad. <laughs> so it's like America failed. Right, you know? yeah. yeah. Oh that's that's not gonna that, that, yeah, that is. <laughs> this is the thing. Your work has so many layers. Mm-hmm. Like so many, like man. I, I, wow, I'm just blown away. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, that's that highbrow, lowbrow, you know. <laughs> they talk about crack cocaine and backyard parties, but it's also Langston Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of what you got to experience is the pastiche of all these different things because you're not really, you're in the, in the pantla, neither here nor there, so you're just taking on everything, you know. And we're not a monolith. We like different mm. kinds of things. Yeah. And, you know, we're Americanized, and so we like a lot of American things, and you, we just put it all together. It's mm. like this pastiche of all these different experiences and American but not American. Yeah. Mexican yeah. but not Mexican. Yeah. No. Native but not native. You yeah. Know? yeah. Native but not native. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know. So there's a lot of it's you're not and and so that, that to me that was one of the or to answer your very very first question about my Latinx experience. Mm-hmm. To me, I've kind of I'm happy where I am now that I'm kinda of nobody in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's a shared experience that I have with a lot of people because it's different. You know, I just, I wave the flag of Chicano because that's what, technically what I am, mm. I guess, by the definition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's that old definition that, uh, Ruben Salazar. Oh. With Ruben Salazar's definition of, like, you know, a, a non-anglicized version, a view of oneself, you know. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you know, Nepantla, neither here nor there, it's just a pastiche of things. It's yeah. just a quilt woven together of all these different pieces. 
That's uh, that's a lot to take in, guys. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little bit of a dead end there. But. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I just because it's, just make, a, it's complex. It's a yeah, it is because know. right now, like, you just left me thinking about like I, I married a man from Nicaragua, and yeah. now the food we cook has like infusions of his uh-huh. culture and my culture and the Americans' yeah. ingredients. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, even just in our food, and my aunt makes reference to how when I speak Spanish I also have little things that I take yeah. from his language uh-huh. so there's, you know there's a quote the famous quote like I feel most black when I'm against a stark white background and yeah. it's like <laughs> you're not reminded of who you are until you're in a situation where you're reminded of it yeah, you know? yeah. and so um, yeah so but most of the time I'm, I try to just kind of you know just be myself really and just try to kind of be real to be real to my experience and, uh, and and that is what it is you know I might get called out and saying like oh you know I've got to go, oh, you talk black, or you do this, mm. or you're referencing mm. this too much, or you're, it's not, it's not okay for you to, to, to put that in your work, mm. or this. I was like, what do you want me to do? You know, I have more in common with a poor white person than I do with a rich Mexican. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Working at the Watts Towers, you get so many different people that go there, and we've had very wealthy Mexicans come by, and it's different. It's so different. Oh, it's, like, it's different. I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm, they say I'm one of you, but I'm not. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But then someone from a rural area who comes visit, you know, they save their money for two years and they come to L.A. and they want to check out the sites. And they come, you know, there's a shared experience there. I'm like, yeah, I grew up poor too, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, you have more in common with that person in that mm-hmm. sense. So sometimes waving a flag is, is tricky because it doesn't always work. But then people will remind you of what you are too. And so you yeah. have to... It just depends on what crowd you're in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you have know? to be ready. Yeah, yeah. You also have to do your homework and know, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. To be able to forget it when you need to. I don't know. It's hard. It's yeah. <laughs> it's a tough conversation. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Well, on here on Comadre Comics, we have a segment called On My Radar. Can you tell us about who your creative role models are? What books do you recommend? Or to our listener, to recommend to our listeners and highlight Latinx culture and diversity? Um, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, all the hood movies from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got for you, really. Rewatch them. <laughs> Rewatch American Me, Sangre por Sangre, Watch Boulevard Nights. Watch uh, Boys in the Hood. Watch specifically one that's important to me, Menace to Society, Lion. Uh, uh-huh. um, as far as comics are as concerned. Um, rewatch I mean, Friday. <laughs> rewatch Friday, yes. yeah. The first one. The other ones you get scared. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, and also, Quentin Tarantino a lot. I think he inspires me as an artist because he just does whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I appreciate that. Even if you, you certain things are problematic, whatever, I kind of respect the artistic vision of just like, well, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> and sometimes it's important in certain hands because if I would have edited what I did, you guys wouldn't have been resonated with it. But mm-hmm. it comes from that yeah. fuck, fuck you attitude of, well, I'm going to just do whatever I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, his quick um, and a dialogue and how the character speaker is real and, and things that, you know, there's references to other characters of mine that no one knows about. There's a character named Jet. He's like, oh yeah, Jet flew over him and did this cool move or whatever. That's just totally inspired by Quentin Tarantino's writing from them just talking about references that no one else might know about. Mm-hmm. But that's just the way they hang out. The in-between yeah. moments, as he called them. Yeah. Um, of course, Ellen Moore. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up reading Love and Rockets. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, Jaime Hernandez, I came to know about him later in college. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I can't claim to know a lot about Love and Rockets, but I respect him as an artist and his brother and his family. Mm-hmm. I've, we, I met him at the Latino Comics Expo and I just walked up to him and there's this normal guys, Gilbert and yeah. Jaime, were just hanging out. Yeah. 
And we had a chat. They did a little drawing of me that was cool. <laughs> and uh, I was so inspired by them. And and uh, by just them being brown artists telling stories about brown people. Like, yeah, that was yeah, it. Yeah. And so I was like, I could do that too, you know? <laughs> and uh, I wish I could. I mean, i got to start reading some Little Rockets. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, we highly recommend <laughs> yeah. that you listen to Komasi Comics Episode 1, okay. where we review Maggie the Mechanic, okay. and then read it yourself because it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I went to a, a, a signing of his, I'm as, at Skylight, and uh-huh. I oh, asked nice. him a question. I said, which... I, I, you know, it was a sincere question. It wasn't just him trying to get, it wasn't just me trying to get his attention. Yeah. It was like, I said to him, did you edit? You know, did you edit your characters? Mm-hmm. You know, did you kind of think about the whiter audience? Mm-hmm. Um, literally whiter audience whiter. And, <laughs> and whiter audience. And he says, no, like, let them come to you. You mm-hmm. know, have the characters speak the way they speak and then they'll come to you because if you try to pander to them, it just won't be real. Yeah. And they, they'll find, they'll find mm-hmm. it phony and you'll find it phony. So yeah. it'll just be phony yeah. all around. But if you write the characters, then you know they'll they'll learn to read it, and you know? and that exactly comes across in his writing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, and then also I have to give a little shout out to Helen Joe um, because she, you know, I don't know her that well. I met her once, um, but I also enjoyed the just kind of I'm she's kind of big I hear, um, and she's in the zine world, and um, I had a conversation with her and realized how big she was time and we were just she draws like basically the Korean version of Cholas and <laughs> oh, I was like cool. oh they, you know they yeah. have the poses of Cholas and things I was like man I should do that for my you know the people yeah. that I know yeah. and so it kind of inspired me and it got me into this whole zine world and now oh, nice. I'm like doing I did LA Zine Fest was my first one it was oh, super yeah. successful and then mm-hmm. I just did Long Beach recently I'll be at Kella in December the Comic Arts LA I'll be in San Diego this weekend and I'm doing Pomona so, so. wow oh, that's, nice. nice. yeah, that's a lot yeah, yeah. So I'm on tour, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you touched on Ponet uh, a little bit. Uh, we also have a section called Chisme de la Semana. Yeah. Where we usually share, like, comic news and stuff like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, el chisme. Lo yeah. que anda. Um, uh, but are there any stories, comics, projects that you're currently working on that you can talk about? Yes. Um, uh-huh. So I brought uh, version one of that, uh, one of my zines. It's called Nickerson Gardens. And it's basically an animal kingdom story about when you're growing up in the neighborhood, you know, the only currency that you have at the time is your friends, mm-hmm. right? That's all you got. You don't have any money, so moving is, like, the worst thing that could ever happen because right. you're losing all the right. gold you yeah. have. Mm-hmm. And I was bullied a lot by this particular group of friends, and so I didn't know that at the time. I just tried to work my way up through this animal kingdom, and it's caused a lot of trauma <laughs> to me yeah. in hindsight, and I was like, these guys are jerks. Like, I can't believe I tried my best to appease them, and I did some shoplifting and graffiti yeah, yeah. and computer cleaner, you know, <laughs> and all this super ghetto stuff. And um, and now in retrospect, I wanted to write, I wanted to kind of get rid of that demon in a mm-hmm. way and write a character that's going through that exact same stuff, but kind of from a like a place of distance and just analyze it as if it's ha- as if it happened to somebody else. And also explore the relationship of racism in the neighborhood. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of racism that happens black on brown or brown on black, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of stuff that you have to unlearn. So it's really the other side of the Hat Boys of, like, trying to... This is also, uh, what do they call it, a deconstruction of, of South Central. Oh, like, but I mean, this is a different... More like a... This is like a specific story. It's streamlined. But with that one, it's kind of manga-inspired if you look at it. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, it's more... 
it, it has more characters. It's a bigger cast. So you'll have black characters, you'll have brown characters, and they'll explore gangs and basically everything. It's just another angle of that same neighborhood. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then my zines, of course, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all of my which shirts. we can, uh, or we'll talk about later about where we can find all this stuff. Yeah. We want to make sure everyone knows uh, where they can find everything Eric Pepper Rivera. Pepper, uh, my Instagram is the thing I use the most. I respond to people, you know, usually I, yeah, I have like having fun conversations. I have total conversations with total strangers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, um, yeah, and my website, pepperrivera.com or Bucket Streetwear is where you can find my t-shirts. And oh, cool. Like yeah. Not awesome. So we also have a segment on the podcast called Juntos y Fuertes. And it, just in this interview, you talk a lot about the things and the programs in your life that put you on the path to kind of get you to where you are today um, and being very aware that you could have gone down a very yeah. different path. So um, Juntos y Fuertes is a segment where we highlight noteworthy endeavors um, by members of marginalized groups or organizations and yeah. programs that we think deserve support. So are there any projects or programs that you would like to plug? Yeah, there's a friend of mine, co-worker, who started her own nonprofit called Budding Artists. Oh, um, nice. Which, and it's... Uh, it's a program that provides arts education in underserved neighborhoods. Oh, and, wow. Okay. Uh, she's, she's, a, she's a young person getting it started. You know, she's working really hard at making, getting it off the ground. And it's, it's going really well, I think. I, and so I think that um, it's important to, to shout them out. And shout out to Dakota and Glenn Avila for putting it together. And, uh, yeah, I think it's great. I donated some artwork. They have a cool thing called the Mug Series. So you could support the – not just donating the money and it kind of – you don't get right, anything in yeah. return – so she gets work from artists to develop these mugs, and so you buy a mug for like X amount of money, uh-huh. and you get you get to help out by you know. Buying oh, a mug. awesome! Yeah. And what was it called again? Budding artist. Budding artist. Budding okay. artist. Budding artist. Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. So you already kind of talked about your Instagram, but let's repeat all of the information about where our listeners can find you on the internet. Okay. Um, yes. So. <laughs> Uh, Pepper.Rivera is my Instagram. That's what I use the most. Facebook is a bad neighborhood now. I don't really use it. <laughs> um, and um, in my website, PepperRivera.com, that's where you can find it. It's like a portfolio website. You have all my zines, all my artwork, my book, my prints, and my film scores. And uh, music also. I released a tape called uh, Getaway, which is basically like lo-fi beats and stuff like that. Nice. Um, and recently... Spotify, of course, Pepper Rivera, Eric Pepper Rivera, and finally Bucket Streetwear. If you want to buy a T-shirt that has a cool logo <laughs> design, <laughs> funny mm-hmm. quote and stuff like that, yeah, check that out. Awesome. That's cool. And then you mentioned uh, that you'll be making some appearances. Yes. So if you're in San Diego, I'll be at San Diego um, Zine Fest coming up. And I wish I wait. I think I do have the date somewhere right here. I carry around this little makeshift notebook that I made. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. Okay, so San Diego Zine Fest on the 5th. Um, I'll be at, uh, Pomona Zine Fest on the 18th. And at Cala. I forget the dates for Cala. It's in December. Comic Arts LA. And that's here in, I think it's in Glendale or oh, at okay. Water. Uh-huh. Yeah, area. It's a two-day thing. And that one, that one's really great because a year ago, I wasn't in the Zine Fest, Zine yeah. World. I went to that, saw Helen Joe, saw other friends, Frank and Becky, uh, who are doing it. And I was like, I need to do this. And so immediately, like awesome. a, a day after I got into it, and now a year later, I'll be participating. There you'll be. In yeah. Yeah. That's, That's super awesome. cool. Yeah. Have you maybe thrown your hat at doing other conventions, like comic conventions? I just don't know how. 
that's oh. the thing. I thought about doing, um, you know, when that happen, happens here in LA, but I just, I don't know the resources or left. It, I, I have mm-hmm. a friend, uh, Rich, uh, the guy that he, he does originals, the magazine, he, uh, showed at Latino Comics Expo and I was like, oh, it'd be cool for me to do, but I just don't know who to get in touch with. Or mm-hmm. what's well, we will hook that. you up. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> some information. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that, that's, a, that, that's a, new, a whole new world. You know? <laughs> Building bridges. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, Pepper, thank you so much for Absolutely. taking the excruciating long drive from Watts to Compton oh, <laughs> to be with us here tonight <laughs> on our episode of Las Plácticas. I have super enjoyed um, oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. talking with you. I loved the book. I loved the audio story. I love everything that I saw on your website and like anything that we can do. Um, I'd love to get your... I mean, our book, your book is already in our shop. I mean, I'd love yes, to get yes, you in there you. to do a signing or oh, however we it. can support you. Um, definitely, we will do oh, that. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. You guys are all really lovely, <laughs> and your environment here is so cool. Oh, and uh, you. you have such good questions. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a good questions if you stop me. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> That's hard to answer, but it's but it's good. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to drive home and be like, ah. Oh. You know, the long way to yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm now a fan. I've, to, for, um, I've listened to a few of the episodes and uh-huh. the people you have on are awesome, you know, oh, and, uh, yeah. so I was like, all right, free booze. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you offered me some tortas, which are nice. Uh, I was a little more hungry. But yeah, thank you so much. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Well, that has been the end of Las Pláticas Número 9. We have been your host, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye. Bye. Bye.